One of my favorite songs is Jesus, Keep Me Near the Cross. That should be my prayer, my intention, and my message to others. Stay with Jesus and the cross. Never lose that focus in your life. The song was written by the prolific hymn writer Fanny J. Crosby. It was set to music by William H. Doan and first published in public use in 1948 when I was a year old. There are at least three ideas in this song which reflect in a very direct way exactly what the New Testament says about redemption. In the lyrics, there's this phrase, The blood of the cross is a healing stream where trusting souls can find mercy, forgiveness, and hope. Ephesians 1.7 declares, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Here's another example of part of the lyrics. What happened on the cross of Calvary helps me walk, helps me live from day to day. In 1 John 1 verse 7, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. Here's a third example of lyrics from the song, Jesus Keep Me Near the Cross. In the cross we glory now and forever. Paul wrote to the Galatians and said in Galatians 6.14, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. But in this study tonight, I want us to concentrate on this practical question to which we can offer some very specific answers. How does Jesus keep me near the cross? How does Jesus keep me near the cross? I want to review several answers with you. How does Jesus keep me near the cross? Number one, through the Old Testament background and prophecies. I'm going to be referring to Luke 24. After Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he appeared to a number of people, and on one of those occasions, he spoke to his disciples. This is in Luke chapter 24, And this is the time when Jesus preached about himself from the Old Testament. Luke 24, 44 to 47. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus referred these witnesses to the Old Testament. And he referred to the Old Testament as the law and the prophets and the Psalms. 
In those inspired writings, there were promises, descriptions, and references to Jesus. He spoke to them about these things and opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. In terms of time, history, and location, we stand at a different place. But just as Jesus used the Old Testament to explain the cross to these witnesses, he can use those scriptures today to help us comprehend the value of the cross. When we read the Old Testament, when we look into those rich prophecies that pointed to Jesus, that can keep us near the cross. It can nourish us in our faith to study these passages in the Old Testament where Jesus is described, where we are taught about his character, his suffering, his death for us. The 53rd chapter of Isaiah is one of those passages. The prophet writes about the growth of Jesus as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He tells of all the hostility Jesus endured, despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, not esteemed by men of power. Yet he endured all this injustice, and he suffered and died bearing our griefs, smitten and afflicted so that we might be healed of the disease of sin. Listen to some more of this. I'm in Isaiah 53 at verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief, when you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. If we will open our hearts and let him, Jesus can use these words of prophecy when we open the Bible to keep us near the cross, to remind us of what it was about of his love and sacrifice, and to provoke, therefore, in us deeper faith and more consistent obedience. Number two, Jesus keeps us near the cross through his intercession for us. Think of intercession this way. I need to approach God, but that requires access to him. Jesus is that access. This is a service Jesus provides for his people who are walking with him, who want to do right, and who are humble and penitent about their sin. He is our advocate. He states our case so that things can be cleared up. 
Jesus, according to Hebrews 7.25, is able to do this for us, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He lived here on the earth as a man, yet without any sin. He was raised from the dead, now located at the right hand of God, and he's there as our great high priest. He lives there to make intercession for us. It is not just that he died for me. He is alive for me now at the right hand of God. And so in 1 John 2 and verse 1, the matter is stated in this way. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Through temptation and sin, Satan is working to take us away from the cross. Jesus keeps us near the cross through his faithful and merciful intercession. We have an advocate with the Father. We should study, pray, think, and work hard every day to avoid sin altogether. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. In this way, he keeps us near the cross. Through prophecy that we read in his word and through his advocacy. Number three, through songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, he keeps us near the cross. I hope during these recent months, you have not stopped singing. We don't have to be in the building to sing. Singing good spiritual songs keeps us near the cross. And there are many other songs which are designed to remind us of the one who suffered and died. Not only Jesus keep me near the cross, but you're familiar with some of these. At the cross, near the cross, the old rugged cross, beneath the cross of Jesus, the way of the cross leads home. In our use of these, we want to do what Paul described in Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Jesus can use these good songs to keep us near the cross. If we will concentrate on the words, if we will engage ourselves in worship, these songs can help us, can help me mature my faith and cause me to think about things that can do me the greatest kind of good. Jesus, keep me near the cross. Number four, he keeps me near the cross through the teachings of the apostles. On that great day of Pentecost, the apostle Peter preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. He told them that Jesus was attested by God through miracles, wonders, and signs. He explained that Jesus was delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Lawless men had taken him without legal cause and put him to death, but God raised him up in fulfillment of prophecy and Jesus was exalted to the right hand of God and made both Lord and Christ. Those who were cut to the heart by this truth responded. They said, what shall we do? And the answer came back, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. The Bible says, those who gladly received the word were baptized. Verse 41 says about 3,000. 
What did these new Christians do after they were baptized? What was it that kept them near the cross? What was it that kept them right with God? Here's part of the answer in verse 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The apostles gave instruction. Christians were charged to follow those instructions. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. This is what we ought to do. And as we follow the apostles' doctrine, it's one way that Jesus keeps us near the cross. You see, when we talk about the apostles, they were apostles of Christ. Jesus uses the teaching of the apostles in the New Testament to nourish us, admonish us, guide us in the right direction. If you obey Christ, being baptized for the remission of sins, and then you continue to read, study, and obey the teachings of the New Testament, I'll tell you what happens. You grow. You are motivated. You are nourished. And Jesus is keeping you near the cross through the teachings of the apostles. From time to time, you may hear the idea that Jesus is far more important than his teachings. And at first, that concept may have some appeal. Let's focus on Jesus and not be burdened by all this instruction, these do's and don'ts. That suggestion may be attractive, but there is no substance to it in the Word of God. No substance to it in the Word of God. And if Jesus is important to you and you believe him, you'll accept everything that he said. You are my friends. If you do, whatever I command you. John 15, verse 14. And he said this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? Luke six forty six. When I follow the instructions of Christ given by the apostles, Jesus keeps me near the cross. And then Jesus keeps me near the cross through the influence and fellowship of God's people. There can be no doubt God uses his people for good purposes. In the family of God, there are influences and companionship and participation that can find no equal in the secular world. In the local church, when we work together as a team, worship together and help each other, there is this powerful influence. In these good influences, Jesus keeps us near the cross. In recent months, we've been scattered, meeting in small groups temporarily, but we've stayed in touch with each other. We've used available technology. We know we'll resume being closer together, and that hope encourages us in these hard times. The cross, the sacrifice of Jesus for us, we cannot forget. We cannot let Satan distract us from the cross. In these ways, and in other ways, we must let Jesus keep us near the cross. The death of Christ is the most tragic event in the history of the human race, yet the most wonderful thing that ever happened for our good. It was the saddest spectacle men ever beheld or read about. Yet out of that death came the potential for man's greatest joy. It was Satan's greatest victory, but it became his greatest defeat. 
It might be argued it was the darkest hour in the history of the world, yet it was the greatest light of hope for us. And from the day of Pentecost until now, brethren have gathered together on Sundays, sometimes in homes, in a church house, out in a clearing in the jungle, in a rented storefront or by a river, to remember the death of Christ. Now, what is your response to all this? Remember what we studied a few minutes ago. What about Peter? What did he say to those who were convicted of sin? He said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Have you done that? Thank you for listening.